0: Hi, my name is Duncan, and we are the Fancy Football Fanatics. I'm joined by Matt this week in London, Ben in LA, and Andy in San Fran for the final pod of the season. Um, gentlemen, welcome. And Matt, as the winner of our our mini league this season, you get the honour of going first with your football moment of the week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I mean, obviously, the the
1: football moment for me of the week has been has been winning our little mini league. Um, and the, the modest cash prize that goes with it. Um, but I've been loading that up all week on the, the WhatsApp chat. So I've been trying to make the very most of it, at least. Um, but I guess my football moment of the week is probably for a team I don't like. But uh, Liverpool uh, coming back against Barcelona was uh, spectacular football. Um, as much as it pains me to say it, it did look like a really good atmosphere at Anfield. And they did play really, really well, like from one to eleven. Um, I mean, the only consolation I had, sort of, from it, I guess, I was cheering on the English team because I'd, I've never really had much fondness for Barcelona, and so seeing Luis Suarez um, uh, as his face sort of get glummer and moodier as the as the game sort of fell a, fell away from them uh, was quite amusing, uh, and it was it was just incredible to see that, uh, a comeback because it looked completely dead and buried at three 0 down, and then to come back um, with four goals uh, unanswered was was amazing, and that final. That final corner, uh, the quickly taken corner, was like the perfect way to do it. Just like, just it, just really quick football from Liverpool. Just completely ran Barcelona off the park. It was
0: incredible. so nice to see. With you saying about Luis Suarez and him saying before the game, "If I score at Anfield, I won't ce- celebrate." He just cursed himself massively there. Yeah, didn't
1: he? yeah. But it, w- it was the whole of Barcelona. I've just found a really arrogant club, um, and I quite like their Twitter feed, their official Twitter feed. Sort of. Um, in the, the build-up to the match, saying, "Oh, we're really sorry to see that Salah and Firmino can't make it. We always like to see the top players play against us in the Champions League, and um, just sort of like sort of a yeah, sort of modest, faux modest sort of a sort of a comments, but really expecting to win, win and go through, so they can be a uh, magnanimous sort of a victory. But it all went horribly wrong for them."
0: It just—it would be unbelievable with those players in the team. But with Arigi, um, Shakiri, you know, those being the stars of the game was unbelievable. Yeah. Just the, the 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 amount of um, you know how well they did is with their second team is unbelievable. Yeah, and it was an incredible
1: um, team performance. And as you say, yeah, the fact that it was the lesser-known players that that did it, uh, like Origi and Wijnaldum, um, just sort of made it sort of. Better, I guess, collectively for Liverpool. They do have a, a very good squad. Um, I do wish that Jurgen Klopp was managing United instead of Liverpool right now.
2: <laughs> I liked how the um, Liverpool fans were like chanting, booing Suarez and calling like a diving
3: cheek when he's been a diving cheek for
2: his entire yeah. career, especially <laughs> yeah. at Liverpool.
3: Yeah, this is, this is, this is the same Liverpool like, who, as a club, defended him for being racist. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember
2: that. No, I know.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's easy. It's easy for us to to throw stones, but I think most clubs, when a when a bad egg leaves, um, the fans turn on them pretty quickly. I know that's the same with Sanchez. Not the same level of bad egg, but um, as soon as he left, you know, fans were on his back, and I think that happens quite often. Or oh, especially when they're quite good players as well. I, I think. Sorry, yeah, just a bit of balance there, Ben. Um, second place in our mini league, so you have the honor of going. What was your football moment of the week?
2: Mine was from the other Champions League game. Um, so, just when you thought it couldn't get um, any more unbelievable, Ajax take a 2 0 lead. Um, so, they're comfortably, comfortably going to go through. And then <laughs> Lucas Mora scores a second half hat trick. And I think his winner was in the 96th minute as well. Um, so, incredible uh, performance by Spurs and um lucas morris scored some really great goals like his his control was incredible um i was just remembering that he he played with neymar i think in the brazil under 20s and was brazil's number 10 and was was always meant to be this like special player um and then he kind of went away a, a bit with psg but um yeah he really came through for them and i i hope spurs win against liverpool <laughs> in the champions league final
0: So, uh, I'm actually as as an Arsenal fan, I'm just just gonna step (laughs) in there because I (laughs) don't. I want Liverpool to win. I was glad they won the league, just for all those Liverpool fans out there, and I would very much like them to be Spurs. Over to you, Andy. (laughs) I'm really
3: sad that the final isn't Ajax Barcelona. Like that, that would have been a fantastic, like '90s throwback final with, like, especially with Ajax getting to the final, big name from the past coming back. You know. I don't know. I, I was I was really getting ready to, and especially looking forward to hopefully Ajax beating Barcelona in the final. That would have been amazing. And I feel like I've been denied my right as a football fan to see that. <laughs> I,
0: I feel like I'm really annoyed that all the European finals are, are English teams. I much prefer seeing an English team against a, a European team rather than playing each other. Although saying that, this, uh, this season Man City versus Tottenham, that that was a fantastic like, So uh, maybe it's more of that. And based on the Champions League game so far this season, it, it might be. So, yeah, fair enough. No, great highlight, Ben. Um, Andy, what was your football highlight, f- football moment? Before I...
3: I, I said to you guys before that I don't think anything good happened this week in football. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, what I'm going to go for is just generally the sort of madness of the the last day of the season because you often get um, some crazy score lines. I remember uh, not that long ago there was a five-all where Lukaku scored. I think it was four goals against Manu on the last day of the season. So some crazier results. I think the uh, the craziest today was the five-three between Crystal Palace and Bournemouth with. Uh, which we which we obviously we all predicted that last week, so that was a, a, an extra good thing about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the last day of the season always for all the games happen at the same time, so you get all the sort of updates coming in in, in real time rather than having sort of okay, so this team went on fr- won on one on Friday, so then on Monday it's important that this team does this. Like you don't get that sort of weirdness about it. it all feels very live and active and uh, and exciting. So uh, I think that's sort of the, the last day of the season and the. The, the way it's set up is is my highlight. Yeah, it
0: happens. It happened last season at Palace as well, didn't it? And um, Van Alst scoring scoring then as well, I think. So, yeah, I think that's a great highlight. And I think we predicted. You said we predicted Palace Bournemouth for goals. We also talked about Watford West Ham and whether um, Arnautovic was a good differential. And he came through. Unfortunately, not so lucky with Leicester Chelsea, where that seemed that logic. Goals galore on the final day seemed to disappear. Um, Chelsea, 120 minutes, just scraped through and Leicester was supposed to tear them apart. But um, just didn't happen there, did it?
3: Yeah, that was, um, that was the one game that it didn't really deliver, wasn't it, Chelsea-Leicester? Uh, but the majority of the games, that was, that was the only goalless game, wasn't it? And uh, there were some, some results that at any other point in the season would be considered massive shocks. But then on the last day of the season, like, oh, yeah, it's the last day of the season, that happens sometimes.
0: Yeah, um, my my football highlight of the week, you'll be glad to know you three is not Manchester United losing at home on the final there of the season to Cardiff when Manchester City lift the Premier League title.
1: It's Thanks not Thanks for that. mentioning, though.
0: I'm Thanks for mentioning. That. That's OK. That's OK. It, it's um, Vincent Company's winner in the game on Monday night um, against Leicester. I just thought, I was watching that game, and I, I, I thought that game was going to be the potential where they could slip up because Leicester... Were looking good for the draw. Um, they were really up for that game. The motivation of the teams playing against uh, Liverpool and City in the last few games has been absolutely amazing. Lots of teams have wanted to get involved in the title race and made it make it as hard as possible. And Leicester were definitely doing that. Um, they just got pushed further back and further back, but City still didn't have a way through. And company, I mean, unbelievable strike. Um, it couldn't have gone closer to the top corner um phenomenal and i like vincent company he's he commits a lots of fouls but i think he's a i think he's a likable chap when he's on match of the day and things like that and uh, i think it, it sounds like he's leaving city because he he got um standing ovation at the end of the game so it looks like that might be his um, second to last game, and what a way to finish! And that was the goal, I think, that really clinched the title towards the end of the season. So, yeah, massive highlight! What a strike, and what a player he's been in the Premier well, I have League. Other thing about that,
3: and, actually, yeah. that's a that's a good highlight. Um, the uh, for those for those who listeners who don't know, my my wife is Japanese, so English isn't her first language, and um, the the commentary really confused her on that. The the commentator who was like as the replay sort of. As the ball flew into the top corner in the replay and just skimmed off the off the uh, of the crossbar, the commentator says that is postage stamp. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean?
2: I also liked how his teammates yeah. were shouting at him not to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do it, Vincent. Don't, don't do shoot. It. Don't shoot. And then it went in.
0: Yeah, I think, that, isn't there not there a screenshot of Sterling's face as company addresses the ball to shoot? He's just not looking happy at all. I think Sterling tweeted that after the game. Um, yeah, what a way to win it, and what what a man, what an unexpected hero. It's normally, you get centre-back scoring from a, a set-piece towards the end of the season, and Laporte did it this game week, but that is the way to do it, if you're going to do it at all. Shades of Tony Adam, Tony Adams striding forward and scoring that goal in the double-winning season, as I'm sure everyone I, um I quite um, liked
1: the Laporte assist for it too, because uh, he's in my team and just noting the square ball on the halfway line gets that three points and then helps them to a three bonus points
0: too was uh, was quite amusing from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, we need a name for that kind of assist, don't we? Um, and it's definitely a fantasy assist if, if ever there was one. Um, so that's our that's our game weeks for the last game we'll give the season, game week 38. Um, Matt, do you want to do you want to talk about your? Sorry, that's our football moments. Do you want to talk about your game week, Matt? Um, top of the league. How did you do? Um, so, uh, eighty-seven
1: points this week, uh, which which is, well, I'm very very pleased with. Uh, I did two transfers, so for a four-point hit, which is always a bit of a gamble in the last last uh, game week of the season, and I went for Redmond and Agüero. Um, I Agüero was partly cynical because I just needed to cover uh, the chance of a random Agüero hat trick. Uh, meaning that Dunk or Gary uh, would uh, make massive ground and overtake me. Uh, and Redmond was sort of the enabler for that. And I thought of a home, juicy home game against uh, Huddersfield uh, would be quite nice. But um, both of them came in. So that was that was four points well spent. So I was really pleased with that. And then I went for Mane for captain, which also worked out really well uh, this game week. Um, having Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Laporte, uh really good scoring defence. So, yeah, it went really well, um, and that's mean that I finished top of the mini league and sort of on the fringes of the top 10k, uh, we'll, we'll see where I end up on that one. Um, I started the game week on an 11k. 87 is quite a good score, but then it's been a really high score in game week. So I expect I probably actually won't move that far. Um, but still, that's, that's a pretty good season. I think that's like my second best season, I think. So,
0: yeah, really pleased. Uh, just- I've just checked on livefbl.net, and it's saying that you're coming in at six um, thousand eight hundred thirty seventh. Oh 12. wow!
1: That's quite a climb, then. Um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's that's getting really close to my best score then, uh, or best 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 finish. So, yeah, that's that's really it's uh, been really pleasing. Uh, we'll come into the season with you in a bit because I've I've had some ups and downs this season. Uh, in in our mini league, I've been. In, in at the top for a grand total, I think about two or three game weeks. So uh, it's been nice to do it right at the end, and uh, yeah, pip in to to win the championship.
0: You definitely did it at the right time. Top for the last three, uh, timed it perfectly. I think I don't know if you agree with this, but I think your big star um, towards the end of the season has been your double Liverpool fullback defence, especially Trent. Um, in the last few games, has just been returning points after points.
1: Yeah, it's really coming. I mean, so there's been a few a few transfers that sort of just have come off, and they've sort of been to grouped together, I guess. So uh, Sticking with Vardy was a real point spinner uh, for me. Uh, but yeah, the Trent and Robertson double has uh, has done wonders, uh, and that's been really useful.
3: Well, I I, Trent I had scores. both of those as well and it didn't do me much good, so I think probably Vardy is the, <laughs> the one I'd pick up from those. He's done really well for you. I don't
0: know. I, Trent, Trent, since game week 34, 8, 11, 10, 10, 15. That's pretty outstanding for the last...
3: Yeah, pretty Um
0: Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, and we'll we'll come on to later on in the podcast, we're going to do a bit of a season review and, and maybe talk about some ideas for next season because it's a good time in the season to be picking up tips, thinking about next season, maybe making a note, writing some names down. So we'll come on to that later later. Um, Next up is Ben. Ben, how was your game week? You've you've jumped in our league from uh, I think you're in uh, third position or fourth position. You jumped up to second. How did that happen?
2: Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think uh, Duncan, you and you and Gary were probably too focused on on Matt and allowed me to kind of sneak in there. <laughs> um, so I didn't have a ton to play for, but I just wanted to play sensible in the last week and try and get the highest overall rank. So my transfer that I talked about in the last pod was Jimenez to Zaha, um, which worked out. Zaha got three assists. I think he potentially could have got a fourth assist, but FPL didn't give it to him Uh, because they they deemed the cross was too deflected. Um, Pretty much everyone returned on my team. So I also had Trent, Robertson, Laporte at the back. Um, I had Sterling and Redmond and Aguero and i also decided to captain mane um my reasoning there was i thought they'd just be on such a high after the champions league game and i think playing at home on the last game of the of the last game of the season is a little bit easier than playing away so i went for mane over sterling which which turned out um really well um the only the only sour point was i had a double southampton defense and i I just saw the goal they conceded to um, Huddersfield and, and Matt's favorite player, Alex Pritchard. It was a back pass where Gunn tried to take it around Pritchard. <laughs> and he, got t- he got tackled. Um, and I was like, "Oh God, what a way to, to lose a double clean sheet. Um, but yeah, 96 points. I think it takes me from, I think I was around uh, 50,000 overall rank and I'll finish on around twenty-five thousand, according to live fpl so yeah pretty happy overall with this season um i think fpl is getting more competitive with all the with more players and more kind of resources online so um a pretty decent season and i think beating duncan by two points feels feels good
1: <laughs> everyone's really happy it sounds like
0: yeah. yeah i think you two are happy we'll see <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah congratulations ben what a massive score we should say you got 96 points for the final game week of the season it just shows what can happen on the final game week with all those goals flying in you can really get a huge score and, and climb up the leagues your mini leagues and improve your overall rank how do you feel about uh, 25k overall yeah i feel
2: decent about it. i think um probably top 20k would have been my goal before the season um but I, I do think, and um, I think we'll find this next season too. I think FPL is just getting difficult. I think there's just a lot of good managers out there, so I don't feel too disappointed.
0: I think top twenty five k is a solid yeah. season. Um, yeah. So I think it's good, it's good to be happy about that. And yeah, second in the mini league, not too bad, especially with that drama on the last day. So nice. Second week.
2: place gets um, uh, money, next...
0: right? <laughs> I don't think so. I think. We've discussed this normally the in weeks from, years it gone by all. yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately yeah, it all goes to Matt this season, which is, yeah. um, for me, <laughs> for me, thank you for saying that, uh, potentially I bolted up by focusing on Matt rather than my overall rank. I think that's, that's how I'm seeing it in my head. At one point, um, I wanted to make so many differentials to Matt and my team that I was considering playing uh, Duffy and Dunk over <laughs> Laporte and Robertson. I did rein that in towards the <laughs> deadline because that is insanity. Um, I would have, but it's probably the only way that I could have uh, got ahead of Matt is if um, Brighton had somehow got a clean sheet and Duffy got a goal or something like that. So I didn't go that far, but I did go. I did go a little bit far. I um, I brought in Redmond as my transfer for Son and I captained him which actually paid off in any old game week. Um, 10 points for your captain, Um, bit of a differential. I think that's not bad, but annoyingly enough, although I didn't talk about it on last week's pod and Matt didn't discuss it, he also brought in Redmond. So that completely ruined that differential. Um, So it was over before it began, Um, 70 points. um, And yeah, I I was trying to beat Matt. So I didn't go for Arne captaincy or, or an Aguero captaincy or anything like that. It went a little bit different. Um, it would have been fun, I think, to, to spend loads of hits and bring in lots of players from the uh, the Bournemouth Crystal Palace game. But the players I would have brought in in captains would have been Fraser and, um, and Wilson. And <laughs> unbelievably, they didn't get any point <laughs> attacking returns in, in an eight goal thriller, which is just unbelievable in the form they've been away from home. So madness um, and not a huge amount of fancy points in, in those games for the popular players. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we'll come on to our seasons uh, later, um, but um, yeah, pip to the post at the last minute. What a nightmare and drama in the Mini League. Um, Andy, how did your last game of the season go? Um,
3: the last game of the season could have gone a lot worse. Um, I'm going to end up on 75 points, which obviously isn't as high as Ben or or Matt uh, have scaled. But um, nearly everyone scored for me. Jota and Bernardo Silva were the only two that did nothing. Oh, and Vardy, add Vardy as well. Um, I've got Calvert Lewin who didn't play, so Ericsson comes in to take me from 68 to 75. Um, Captain Zaha, that was a good move. Um, I had Alexander Arnold, I think everyone else did too. I had Laporte, everyone else did too. Dubravka got a clean sheet. So um, generally it's gone well. Um, I think I'll probably, well, I, I definitely will beat the people around me in the league because I'm so low down. So that should, should send me up into the top 500,000 at least. Um, so that will be better. But obviously it's been a pretty uh, pretty difficult season for me. I started badly, got better in the middle and ended badly. So we'll, we'll come on to more detail on that later. Um, but yeah, the last game week itself has gone pretty well. I can't really complain about that. Um, that's it really.
0: I don't want to pull your team apart when, when you've had a good game week and uh, not the best season. But what are you doing leaving Robertson on the bench?
3: What I was doing is... was I thought the Wolves were going to score. And if that had happened, then that would have been a great move because Alexander Arnold got all the assists and Robertson got nothing going forward, um, but Wolves didn't score. So that was wrong.
0: Fair enough. And if Wolves had scored, Jota would probably have been involved. So that's yep, fair enough. I pitch yeah, I picked him. Fair enough. Okay. Well, that's our, our game weeks. That's the end of the season uh, team review. And then... I think next up, we're going to have a look, because we can't preview anything. Uh, there's no game weeks coming up. But we're going to have a look at our gut punt league. Um, so we started this kind of halfway through the season. So it's not a, it's not an accurate reflection of what's really going on. I guess there's a title, isn't there? As well as well, that's, that's kind of a title. We're just trying <laughs> this season, really. It's not a serious thing. Matt, you have come out on top of this oh, trial oh. um, run. Of the cup. You have, although you took the piss last week by by picking a Huddersfield striker, um, which has not gone down well <laughs> with the investors. Carlin Grant coming, coming in with two points. Um, yeah, uh, not a good shout, but you come in with uh, 89 points. So, yeah, I think probably, let me just have a quick look, a game week average, I think, of. Um, think it's about um eight points a game which is not bad nine points a game eight points a game i think um, it's a pretty damn high considering um the game of the premier league players this season should in fancy trust football. my gut more often i think rather than stats then yeah yeah maybe you should um, and you're well known for going with your gut rather than introducing your stats into your gut punch. so yeah do that for your team uh, Gary is second with 60 points. His pick was Mason Greenwood for Man United, which was very punty, but um, nearly caught by Andy, um, who had David Silva, who came in with a, a big nine-pointer. And I think he got subbed off um, during the game, so he could have got more if he hadn't have been subbed. Could have caught Gary. I come in uh, in fourth place um, uh, with Gundogan getting a nine-pointer for his free kick. Uh, I've mostly brought him in for his corners, which is maybe something to note for next season. He seemed to be on corner duty uh, pretty much permanently for Man City, which is unexpected, even when De Bruyne was on the pitch, which I personally think is madness, but um, there you go. And then last up is Ben, although Andros Townsend came in for him as well. So many, so many players, punty players came in this week with all the goals flying in and Townsend was one of them. So 35 points for Ben. And next season, we're going to do this in full. And we've also discussed, and putting a little bit of cash behind it so it's going to get even tastier and people are going to focus even more so um we'll confirm all the rules for that in our pre-season pods um next season before next before the start of next season but um mentioning next season um we're just going to kind of dive into our our seasons a little bit and see what we've see what we've learned see what we did wrong and maybe what we can plan again to to do better next season so Matt, first up, give us a little synopsis of, of your team and your season.
1: Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it ended really well, but um, it's had some ups and downs along the way. Um, and so I was just looking through the... It started uh, pretty well overall. Um, and by game week 10, three hours in a row, uh, I think... Oh, yeah. You can't out there, man. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I said I started the season fairly well uh, with a few green hours in the row and got to the top 7K, um, just managing to pick some of the players that turned out to be really good this season, like Fraser and um, Doherty and players like that, um, and getting on those bandwagons. And then whatever magic I had at that point went calamitously wrong, and I dropped out to the out, out to the over the over 100K uh in just five game weeks with some dreadful scores and i think andy was just biting at my uh my heels and i was thinking oh well, it's going to be andy and i for the the wooden spoon this season um and then i just managed to sort of luck out i think in the build-up to christmas and uh had a really really good run uh seven green hours in a row uh which took me to under the top 5k and i think i moved close to the top of the league i think we're all doing really well at that point but um that was going really well. I think I picked Son over the Christmas period and then backed Manu very heavily during Ole's uh, sort of honeymoon period. Um, and that sort of uh, gave my, my team a bit of a turbo charge. And then I lost that magic, I think, sort of in line really with um, Ole's uh, the form of Manu um, and picked up six, six red arrows to sort of uh, go back out to about the 30,000 mark. And it looked like. Sort of in mini league terms, to finish like third or fourth, okay, fine, not not great, but okay. Um, and then it, things just sort of uh, slowly picked up from there, and sort of been slowly climbing to sort of finish about six k overall. Now um, we, were, we were debating just before the pod whether I was <laughs> I did well or uh, Gary sort of mucked up and and just uh, exploded right at the end. And I think we've concluded that Gary not backing any Liverpool players was probably. The exploding uh, bad move at the end that uh, sort of handed me the, the mini league title and um, yeah, so sort I of got a very, very good finish at the end, having saved my chips for that sort of run in and then sort of again back to the right horses, uh, sort of the Liverpool defence uh, Man City quite heavily, Laporte's come in really well sort of uh, back into the season um, and sort of a, a Vardy as well I think was that pick that uh, just kept on scoring, he hit some really good form and I had him from the very beginning of that as well
0: that's so grace of you, kind of saying that you didn't deserve the win, um, you know, attributing it to Gary. And yeah, it's really big of you, man. I'm I'm, I'm famously <laughs> modest.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> never,
0: never like to take the glory. <laughs> um, ben, how about you? What's your season synopsis for us? What have you learned from it as well? Um,
2: so I, I, I started really well this season. Um, I wildcarded in game week four, and basically, I think managed to wildcard into basically the template team. Um, so by around game week um, 10, I, I achieved my highest overall rank, which was 3000. Um, things started to go bad. I th- I remember around Christmas into January, February, um, just was missing out on a lot of the big players and big point hauls. So by game week, I think 31, only 7 game weeks ago i was outside the 100k i was 120k um so my season was was pretty much over by then um but in in these last 8 weeks i managed to rally I, I think i used my chips pretty well towards the end of the season um the wild card and the bench boost so um yeah rallied at the end to finish 25k um i don't really know what i've learned i i think i've i played pretty Sensible throughout the the year, it just kind of showed me like um, missing missing those one or two really key transfers um, can make a big difference. So I I remember going Sterling over Salah in the December run where where Salah was like double digit returning every week and a lot of people were captaining him. So I missed that. And then my second biggest mistake was I missed that Aguero run in I think January February where. Uh he scored I think two back to back hat tricks and people had captain him and, and I think I had Obama Yang or someone else. Um and those were like the really two big hitter uh transfer mistakes I made and and probably um needed to have made them to to have uh, finished above Matt.
0: Yeah, I think like I think a lot of people kind of empathise with that. I think it's so true. It's those key points in the season that if you miss them, there, then it kind of dictates the rest of the season. That Salah period that you mentioned, the Aguero period as well. Um, yeah, definitely. It sounds like we all started pretty strongly though, which is good. Um, my 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 kind of season synopsis. I I started. Started well, similar to you guys. I think I, I got uh, an 82 points in the first game week and 92 points in the second game week. So I was, I was looking really good and I had a huge number of points on the bench as well. I think I had 28 points on the bench in game week one. So I think I'd set up pretty well for the season. Um, although I still had time in, in game week three to, to bring in Theo Walcott, as a lot of people did for Richardson when Richardson got uh, suspended for that sending off. Um, Never again. I think my my Walcott time is done. I've done my done my time with Theo, and, and surely never again. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was going really well at the start of the season. Um, I was in the top um, top fourteen K by game week five. Um, brought in Ryan Fraser early on uh, for his eight, eighteen point haul, got two goals and assist, um, and then things kept on getting better. I, I played my early wildcard, same as Ben, in game week four, um, had the kind of template team. We all remember Ram. Uh, then we talked about it moving on to Tram. That was maybe a step too far, bringing in Trippier. Um, but by game week 23, I was up to 3K in the world, which is the highest I've ever been in fantasy. So that's a nice highlight for me for this season. Um, and then I, I think the reason what I kind of look back on, what, what I think I learned was... Early on in the season, I was holding transfers quite a lot and rolling a transfer for when I needed it. Um, and that's something that I will try and do if I can next season because that seemed to work really well. Um, so, yeah, top 3K. And then then the big fall from top three in the world to 30,000, 40,000, um, pretty steadily. Um, what went wrong? I've kind of picked over the bones and I think the big, The big reason is that I started planning for the blank game weeks in 31 33, really early on, and my chip strategy and all that stuff, I was very much locked into. I was going to make transfers for blank game week 31, and I was going to keep the players that were playing those blank game weeks, and I was going to bring in more um, and take out my, um, my players who were playing in the double game weeks and I would use my chips for that so I committed to that early partially because how my team was set up but I think looking back um, although I got really high points uh, scores for the double game weeks um, I don't think it was worth it because uh, my average between game week 28 and game week 24 those kind of build up to those big game weeks was 45 points outside of double game weeks which is pretty terrible and that kind of did for my season I think I held on to Richarlison held on to Felipe Anderson uh, brought in players like Pereira from Leicester and all these players just did absolutely nothing up to those blanks and pretty much in those blanks they didn't get any big point returns and I held Salah through his bad patch in that period as well um, and I didn't hold any transfers what I was doing earlier in the season I, I was holding transfers and bit of patience and then playing two or playing three with a hit but I, I didn't hold any transfers it was a transfer every week or sometimes two um yeah and I just I kind of completely tanked like Ben said I missed the Aguero hole and I, I really didn't back Man City I didn't back um, Aguero and I didn't back Sterling when Sterling went absolutely mad because I just thought the rotation risk was too damaging and I think that was uh, something to learn for next season um yeah. Did you reckon you got sucked into the fantasy uh, community groupthink uh, a little bit towards the end of the season? I think this season more than any season before, I have been absolutely hoovering up all the fantasy football videos, all the captain season videos, all of the team news and all well, team news I don't think is any problem, but all of that stuff. And I think um I think that's that's great up to a certain point, but Sometimes um, it's just nice to sit back and look at the fixtures and decide what you think. Um, and I think I do that when we're now when we're doing our pods because we, we kind of pod before any of that other content comes out. So we're just putting our own thoughts on it rather than recycling other people's opinions. But I think by the end of the week, it's so many stats I've heard and so many convincing things that I definitely do get swayed. Um, but I think the big thing for me is captaincy. I think... Take, taking all that information and using it to pick your captain is sound and sensible but maybe not so much with the transfers maybe you can bring some of you know more of your own thinking into your transfers more of what you want to do because if it goes wrong you're not kind of kicking yourself for not backing your gut um and like you said matt with you with your gut punt league if you stick to your to your gut that that can work out so yeah i think that's definitely a factor but I just enjoy all that content so much I don't want to stop doing that, and it's difficult not to get um, to get influenced um How about you andy what's What's your kind of deep dive or your synopsis on your? season?
3: Well the first thing is that um this whole world of content that you can read about FPL was completely alien to me at the start of the season I, and for one of a better way of putting it, I think I've kind of learned what it takes to play at this level this season, <laughs> which I didn't know before. <laughs> Um, so I think I'll, go, I'll get better educated into next season. But broadly, the way my season's gone is um, the first four game weeks were a bit of a disaster. You mentioned, Duncan, that you were getting like 90 points in the first few. I think after, after game week four, I was already like 120 points behind you guys, um, at which point I wildcarded um, and immediately got a 98-point score. And from then on, from game week uh, five through to game week 26, my average score was 67 points, which is quite good, I think, for that long a run. And I sort of gradually really I gradually caught you guys up and I thought, well, that's good, but now I kind of, but by that point, we all had the same team. And I knew that I, I was still fourth in the league, so I had to do um, something to kind of uh, catch up with you guys that was gonna be different. So I kind of went for a bunch of gut punts, which is obviously the wrong thing to do um and uh played my wild card again like that was that was when then the sort of uh, you guys were all talking about playing it to sort of maximize the uh, the double game weeks and the blank game weeks i thought well, if i just if i do the same thing i'm just going to end up still fourth so i played it and came out with uh, subsequent scores of 28 36 and 32 and my my season was over basically <laughs> at that point so um well, the rest of the the rest of it was really just playing for fun i was trying out different things um and ended up sort of Broadly dropping <laughs> for the rest of the season, and I've ended up um, in uh, five hundred thousandth in the in the in the league, which isn't that good. But I feel like there was a lot of potential around the sort of um, by the end of February. I, if I hadn't done that sort of uh, load of, of of maverick transfers, I probably would have done a lot better.
0: Yeah, I, I think it sounds like Matt's season is a bit of a lesson in that you know he was in a similar position, but. He he, just kind of grinds it out, as Matt tends to do, just um, not taking too many hits, I don't think. And just, you've got the time. You don't have to go fully Maverick early on. Um, yeah, you can, you can easily climb. It's just solid picks. And I think Gary's a huge kind of landing point for our season. Gary was quite far behind Matt and, and myself. Um, I mean, around the kind of double game week, blank game week period. But he he picks some absolutely. Brilliant uh, differentials at that time of the season. And players like Son um, he went kind of early on Pogba and a few other players who were low owned um, in the top 10k and top teams, but had a big potential. And yeah. Maybe you got more stats by that time in the season to to back that up.
3: Well, what I definitely what I did wrong was that um, everybody else by playing their wild card later used it to get rid of man new players, but. By the time Man U dropped, I had already played my wild card. So I was stuck with three Man U players in my team who just tanked um, to me ages to get rid of them. Because when you have, tra- when you have like uh, injuries and stuff, you think about that. And obviously, as a Man U fan, you always believe that the next one's going to be different. So um, my team like dropped with those Man U players, and that was where I fell away.
0: Yeah, nice awesome. one. And exciting for next season that you're going to be fighting fit and more experienced to come back with.
3: Stats. Yeah, what I won't do is uh, like my my the big differential at the start of the season as well, which I I don't know even looking back, I I, I feel like I probably would have made the same mistake again if I'd been put back in there. But I picked um Sané and Aubameyang at the start of the season, and both of those like we were talking about how good they were going to be. So we all thought they were going to be good, but then you all had Aguero and you all captained him for the first few weeks and he did really really well. So I was. I was still always playing catch up from that point. And that was in the back of my mind throughout the season was i got to catch up, got to catch up, got to do something different, got to do something that they're not going to see. And I think that really damaged my whole season.
0: Yeah. Nice one. Um, so that's our, our kind of seasons in a mini synopsis. What about our best transfer decision, Matt? What was your best transfer? Do you think of the season? Um, so I've
1: got, I got got a couple for this one because I guess there's been so many transfers over the season, Uh, so sort of different mini categories. So I think the best transfer or best sort of pick was in game week four. I played my wild card and I put in Doherty at four point four million, and I think I've kept him pretty much for the rest of the season. And that's been uh, that was probably the best pick where I got on one of the big uh, standout fantasy performers of the season before anyone else did. Um and that earned me a few points at the time, but also justin transfer value has been like was a real success for my team um but actually for scoring points, I think um I picked uh Dinya just before he we went a really good run in game week thirteen um and he'd been showing quite a lot of underlying stats, and people were thinking, oh as soon as he scores, he's gonna we might we might back him and I thought well, he's got a good run of fixtures coming up um I've got a slot for for a player like that. He's quite cheap. I think he's like four point six at the time, um, and so went went for him. And then I think that was that weekend. I think it was like a Monday night match. So it was quite good because I was able to watch it on TV too. And I think he slammed in a free kick in the last minute, and that again just turbocharged my game week. Um, he went in a good good run of form. He went up in transfer value, um, but as people were still not quite sure to back him or not, he just kept scoring me points and. And helped me really uh, get up game week ranks. So he was, he was the one I was probably most pleased with because I sort of uh, managed to pick him early. But also he, he really scored me a lot of points before others had jumped on that bandwagon.
0: I think he's a good one as a, a kind of a nod to all those fancy football scout and all those podcasts and the group think out there. Because I think they were the ones shouting about his underlying stats before he started scoring. So, Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, no, that's true. That's true, actually, because everyone was saying about yeah, his stats looking great, his underlying stats are looking great, but he just wasn't seem to be scoring the points, and you sometimes get nervous that the stats can lie a bit. Um, but on that one, you just thought, well, it's probably worth a worth a bit of a punt um, uh, to to get there first before uh, to get those early points on him, and um, on that occasion, it came off for me.
0: Were you did, were you there for his own goal away to Burnley? Um, I think I,
1: I think I still was, and I think I actually benched him in another. another. No, uh, game game. He, he I can answer points. that. You,
3: I, I don't think painful. you were there because he. Uh, I was the f- he was my first transfer, Doherty. I transferred him in, in game week two, for Coleman. Oh, not Doherty. Oh, uh, Dini. Dini, sorry, Dinia Okay, be okay, fun.
0: Um, Andy, what was your best transfer of the season? Do you think? Um, well, let's talk about Doherty
3: first because I was bad to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah i got there i got there first with docker did game week two and the first thing he did was score an own goal <laughs> so that was annoying and then everyone else transferred him in and he did really well for them so although he was a good transfer <laughs> i don't think i can count that i think my best transfer was probably um sigurdsson who i had for most of the season um and i sort of brought him in i think it was game week five in my wild card. i brought him in and uh, he, he did really really well for me a lot of other people a lot, there's a lot of talk between, do you want Sigurdsson or do you want Richarlison? And as the season went on, um, I had Richarlison for his, like, good phase and then transferred him out and kept Sigurdsson while others maybe did the opposite. And that was a really, really good move for me. He obviously has gone from strength to strength as the season's gone on.
0: And he's just one of those players, and it? I mean, I doubted him. A lot of people doubted him this season, but he's one of those players who is just consistent every season, uh, brings home the bacon. And he's done so again. I think it's... Record goal scoring season. Um, yeah, and he, he's a snip at, at 7.5 or 7 million. So great shout there, Andy. Um, what was your best transfer? Um, mine was a probably a
2: combo transfer. So I, I chanted in Fraser and Wilson at the same time, I think in my wild card in game week four. <clears throat> and those guys did really well assisting, scoring for each other. Um, and they were basically the main reason I, I think I got up to 3,000 overall rank so yeah, the combo of Fraser and Wilson was probably my my best transfer this season
0: and I think they aren't they the record holders for the amount of uh, goals that they've combined on in the Premier League I think they are now the record holders this season because they've done it so many times um, just unbelievable that they couldn't do it this game week when there were 8 goals <laughs> <laughs> Um but yeah great spot early on with those two because they did it all season um i think my best transfer this season i've looked back and it's it's there's no kind of gribbling there's just one player that stands out for me completely it's Emmerich laporte i brought him in for the first mini double game week of the season in game week 25 because it looked like he was just uh peps man at the back for every game and he really delivered in all the um all the double game weeks and kind of from then on for the rest of the season, the City's defense uh, just tightened up completely. So first double game week, the mini one in 25, he got 20 points and he was a kind of the big star for my team. Um, as Aguero didn't do too much. Then game week 32, he came in with 18 points and game week, week 35, he came with 15 points. So he's he was massive for me for the rest of the season. Just, yeah, first name on the team sheet. Um, brilliant and getting getting attacking returns he did it in the final game week and he's done it quite a few times and that you know that assist for company um, just just kind of the perfect price point as well not crazily expensive for a player that doesn't uh, get attacking returns you know every week but um, just so consistent and likes the bonus points so yeah he was massive for me I think Um what about worst transfer I know I definitely have one Matt, do you have any worse transfer stories? Yeah, there's definitely a player that I
1: I dislike um, going on going forward now, and it's uh, it's Pereira from Watford, um, who in the sort of the the June my slump point of the season, I sort of um, I went for Pereira, who had started the season so well. I think he scored like uh, maybe the first four game weeks running. He got he got good good hauls. Um, and I saw him right at the top of the point scoring and amongst midfielders, and I thought, wow, Watford are looking like a really good team this year. He'll he'll score soon. He'll score soon. I just held on to him, my team, for for far too many game weeks, uh, thinking that maybe next week he'll come good and he'll be my differential. And um, he he was just one of those really patchy players. It turns out that blows hot and cold, and uh, you holding on to him for that long, just hoping that he'll turn hot, is uh, was not the right tactic to go for. And so. Um, I transferred out far too late having put him in and he did absolutely nothing for me
0: and maybe he's he's one of those things to learn from where he's a good player playing in a team that are just slightly out of form and the manager there's a lot of speculation it's looking like it might be the end of his tenure at the club maybe it's just best to hold off to see who the new manager is and whether they get that new manager bounce before you bring in that player because I did the same thing with Pereira um, but if we'd waited for Rogers, maybe that would have had a bigger effect Um Oh no, it's
1: not Pereira from Leicester. I'm Pereira from Watford. Um, ah. Was uh, was my one, yeah. Uh, he was, yeah. He's the guy who who, who sucked for me uh, because he he again he looked like quite a decent player, but um, I think it's a, if there's a lesson, it's probably. I mean, it's always difficult early in the season whether to know that it's just is the guy on good run of form or is he actually really good and going to be a standout performer. And just trying to read that, I think, often requires watching the games a lot more than just reading the stats. Um, and I wasn't doing enough of that for Watford games. I was just assuming that he was at the centre of all things and would probably come good very soon. And uh, it turns out he's just one of those players is a bit more um, flashy. Um, a bit like Delefo, actually, as well, from Watford, uh, where every so often they'll get a great score and you think, oh, I wish I had him in. But, but holding for those blanks is uh, is painful.
0: I think at the same time as you brought in Pereira, this is your big slumber, and you brought in Ross Barkley at the same time.
1: Yeah, that was another one. He had two good game weeks and I was uh, convinced that he was going to be the player of the year and and the Chelsea sort of new Lampard. And uh, yeah, I I, I misled that one badly. (laughs) He's done that before, Ross Barkley, and he'll do it again. Um, Yeah, I thought he's come of age. He's come of age. And uh, yeah, again. Uh, uh, definitely a miss pick. If, it's, if you've made players called Ross Barkley, then just give him a good five weeks of uh, consistently performing before trusting that he's finally going to come, come good. Um,
0: ben, how about you for your worst transfer?
1: Um, I don't have too
2: too many standouts. I think the, the probably the worst one was midway through the season. West Ham had a couple of good fixtures. I think they had Cardiff. Newcastle, Cardiff, Huddersfield, and they, 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 didn't, um, they didn't have a blank game week, I remember. So I brought in Declan Rice um, because he was a defender, but he was playing in midfield. I thought, oh, maybe he'll, he'll get some clean sheets and some attacking returns. And I think he basically got me like one point every game. So that was probably my worst transfer. I didn't do anything too egregious this season.
0: You like to play it quite safe, quite sensible, quite solid. So yeah, you are you are the dullard of the pod, potentially, potentially. But it <laughs> works out like for you. It. That's how it.
2: You can't argue with uh, second place, though, Duncan.
0: Think back can. For my for my worst transfer, I have a, another outstanding catch. <laughs> I've got an outstanding candidate for best transfer and for worst transfer. Um, game week 23, I was riding high. Game week 23 was my highest um, get, uh, overall rank of the season as well. And who did I decide to bring in but Fernando Llorente. I saw saw a gap. I saw a little maverick opportunity. Harry Kane had got injured. Llorente was going to get some starts. Um, he was very, very cheap. And, and I think... He's quite a good player if he's he's starting a lot. You know, he gets onto a little run, quite good in the air. So I brought him in, uh, played him, started him in the game week 23. Zero points and an own goal on his first start. So that was a good start <laughs> for him. Uh, followed up game week, game week 24, I decided I would bench him. So he brought in 12 points for that game, which is an absolute, <laughs> absolute nightmare. Following that, he did get a couple of assists. I think he got a four-pointer and a five-pointer. He was basically a transfer waiting wait to happen because uh, he wasn't going to stay in the team when Son came back from uh, the Asian Cup. And I think at the same time, I brought in Bobby Bobby Firmino for Liverpool, who then got injured. And I think that's where my season started to unravel um, when I should have been putting Aguero in the team and, and getting his four-point, uh, four-goal hauls. Um, so yeah, that was definitely my worst transfer. I think it's there's some some lesson to be learned here where the main stri- striker's injured for a big team, and you bring in their backup replacement who can't quite um, handle it. You know, shades of Giroud. I think I did that with Higuain as well. When uh, yeah, just before my team was dead ended, I brought in Giroud. So I've got a thing for backup strikers. I think. Um, yeah. Andy, how about your worst transfer?
3: Um, very, very easy, this one, because I feel like it um, it, it impacted real life as well. Um, at the end of February, I saw uh, Romelu Lukaku, a famously streaky goal scorer, get uh, six goals in three games. I thought, yes, this is the time. He's going to go on an amazing run. He's finally going to come good. Transferred him in. Nobody else did. I was like, yes, nobody else has got him. This is going to be brilliant. Didn't score a goal for the rest of the season. <laughs> that was that for both Lukaku and Manu.
1: <laughs> I remember watching that game as well. and you transferred him in. He missed about three sitters, I think, in that game. The first game yeah, he played, he did Opposite um, damn you, Andy! Obviously what are you cursed him. And um, there, yeah, I had a, a few
3: sort of honourable mentions. I um. In game week five, when I played my wild card, I, I noted that uh, Diego Rico of Bournemouth had been put on corner duty. So I was like, great, I'll bring him in. Obviously, he immediately got dropped. Um, <laughs> Marcus Alonso obviously had a very challenging season. This, this will go down as a bad season for him, although he started very well with a lot of goals. As soon as I transferred him in, there, his goals dried up too. Uh, so that, you know, my, my curse did afflict quite a few players this season, but none quite as abruptly as Lukaku.
0: Yeah, that that is a painful one. Maybe there's some lesson about the atmosphere around the teams as well as the players. You know, their stats might be good and their fall might be good, but if the atmosphere around the team is great, then it. Yeah, if it was great
3: at that point around you We just beaten PSG. <laughs> I was looking that. Oh at. yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: okay, it was just before the fall. <laughs> it was.
3: It was literally the exact moment where
0: <laughs> where we fell. Oh, that's unlucky. Um. Now we're going to come on to the more exciting transfers, the Maverick transfers. Matt, what was your most Maverick transfer of the season?
1: Um, so I've got most Maverick, but also then most Maverick that actually worked um, transfer. So I think the most Maverick one I went for was uh, Isaac's success um, really early on in the season. Um, he had a little uh, flowy where he came quite the trendy player to have. But I had him about five six, ten game weeks before that. Uh, where well, he basically was a bit of a make-weight, uh, four and a half million striker that actually played. Um, but I think uh, where he didn't really... I mean, he was certainly uh, not very highly highly picked and for good reason. I don't think he's, he scored one goal all season, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he didn't really do enough. I thought he was problematic for my team in the end because I think I, I, I was using him as bench fodder, uh, but I think having your third striker as bench fodder turned out to be sort of bad for the structure of the year the overall team. And so that's probably my lesson learned for, for next year. Um, uh, but the one that Maverick transferred actually did that worked, uh, sort of gut punt, I went with Lindelof, um, in game week 23. Um, and he was a really cheap defender that got me quite a lot of points. And also, I mean, being a Man U fan, I'd spotted that he was the most talented of our centre backs. Um, and his baseline bonus was looking pretty good. So he also swept up a few bonus points during that time. And that, that really helped, uh, my team because uh, he was very low-owned low, low owned at the As time. Maverick
0: transfers go, that is pretty uh, a dullard Maverick transfer. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I much prefer the Isaacs' success move as, as a Maverick move. Um, I mean, that,
1: that was Maverick, but yeah, <laughs> it's
0: too Maverick.
1: Uh, whereas, yeah, Lindelof was bringing it into the right level of Maverick. Uh, not highly owned, uh, but a defender that's going to score lots one. of
0: points. Ben, um, you've, you've been named ashamed as, as Dullard of the pub, but have you made a Maverick transfer this season? Going well or not going well?
2: Yeah, I, similar to Matt, I have one that went badly and one that went, uh, I guess, less badly. So <laughs> the one that went badly was Grady Diangana of West Ham. Uh, I brought him in, I think, game week 13 um, when they West Ham had a lot of injuries, um, I had watched one random West Ham game where Grady Dean Garner was really good for like a 30-minute spell. And then I, I was like, oh, he's really cheap. I'll I'll bring him in um, because I think they had injuries and I, I thought he may start. And after that game, he he kind of never started. Um, he maybe had some like substitute appearances. So that was, uh, I guess, my most maverick that didn't come off. Um, my most maverick that did come off was Gaita. From Palace. This was when Hennessy just got dropped. Um and I realized guys it was at a really good price and Palace had a good run of fixtures and had Sako and Tompkins kind of firing. So um he he got me a couple of clean sheets in a row. So that was my probably my my best Maverick transfer this season.
0: I like it. That's a good one. Um my most Maverick transfer, I'm the same. I've got one that worked out and one that didn't. Uh I'll start out with the one that did work out. Game week uh, 34 on my wild card. Um, I didn't know why no one was talking on, about him, so I decided to bring him in because I thought his price was good and he had a little bit of form recently, um, and I thought he'd play a lot. It was Lucas Mora, who came in. Um, I didn't expect him to get a hat-trick, but he started on fire, um, and that, that came off massively. I tripled up on Spurs, and he was the only one that really – brought in the bacon, it was a bit of a mistake or a bit of a massive mistake to trap up on Spurs because as we saw there, their season in the Premier League completely kind of unravelled Um, although they still qualified for, for Europe um, but yeah that worked out and he did it in the Champions League as well so he definitely has that in his locker he's just not the most consistent he has little flurries of form I think so once he starts scoring get on there so quickly because it's probably not going to last that long Uh, My my one that went wrong, my Maverick pick, was for the blank uh, double game weeks, I decided to go with double Leicester defence, despite the fact that they were conceding uh, goals and not keeping clean sheets at all. I already had Pereira, who'd done terribly for me, and I thought I'd double down, bring in Harry Maguire, because he had a lot of headed attempts, um, who immediately got a red card in his first game for me, um, and that was an. Complete nightmare for a double uh, blank uh, blank game week. Sorry, not a double game week. Um, where I was already sc- scoring pretty low. I then found out he was actually not going to be suspended for for blank game week thirty three, so he got to play in that one. And of course, um, he conceded one goal to Huddersfield, um, so wiping out any clean sheet points there as well. So that was definitely maverick and completely wrong. Uh, Andy, what was your most maverick transfer? Um. I think Maverick's
3: transfer that didn't work was starting the season without Aguero. Um, that was obviously a terrible idea. So that didn't work out. It was, it was different for everybody else. It didn't work. Maverick that did work, I think, was Martin Dubravka, who everyone sort of had this sort of quizzical error <laughs> on the podcast when I mentioned him, like, really? You want to bring him in? But he's been really good for me. Uh, he's basically played whenever Patricio had a, a difficult game. And um, he's got a clean sheet nearly every week that I've played him. And he's made a few saves, too. So he's been very successful.
0: I think I think everyone was quite critical because his price seems strange that it was five million, whereas, you know, similar teams and similar um, goalkeepers were at four or five. But I think maybe it was because he was your second keeper and you were spending the money there. But it's clearly maybe considering for a first team keeper next season, a player like him or Pickford at the five million kind of bracket. They do bring in the clean sheets as they both kind of show the season, so yeah, great pick.
3: Yeah, it was the uh, the Benitez defensive organization that I was thinking, uh, yeah, Newcastle defenders are pr- probably a good champ,
0: yeah, nice one. Okay, transfers and hits, Matt, how many transfers and how many hits have you taken this season? Oh, yeah, is this the uh, we're doing a little trophy for this, but most hits are transfers. What's, I mean, you, you've got to have like a ratio of your points you've scored over the season versus the hits, maybe.
1: All oh, right. Um, well, so so transfers I've done this season um, is 42 and I've had eight hits. Okay.
0: What about you, Ben?
2: I made 45 transfers and I summed up my hits. I 44 total point hits.
0: Forty-four Total point hits
3: it's 11. 11, 11, 11 hits right
2: Yep Okay I think good, for me Good maths uh, Andy
0: Yeah it's me <laughs> it's that head. I, I've, done, I've done the same I've I don't know how this is possible Oh no I've done 44 transfers And 40 point hits So just coming in below um, Coming in below Ben Okay, what about you, Andy?
3: Uh, 48 transfers and uh, 11 hits or 44 points.
0: Hold on a second. How many transfers was that? 48? Yeah. And 11 points hits. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, it's it's between you and Matt for the trophy for the most number of hits. I guess it it worked out. What? between me and is. Ben oh sorry between you and Ben sorry yeah, yeah between you and Ben so it's it's worked out you can you can take that many hits and and still do pretty well or you can take that many hits and and have a season that goes slightly wrong so we've learned pretty much nothing from that <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: well I, I would say that the least hits uh it did did
0: pay off in the end um
1: yeah so i've taken make.
0: 10 hits um and ben 11 andy 11 you eight and you've you've come out on top but you haven't come on out on top by by eight points uh you come out by, on top by quite a bit more yeah that's uh, a
3: yeah i'd add 44 points to my score i'm still behind so um
0: well maybe maybe you're right matt maybe if anything then less hits is good uh, I think it's cause and
3: effect, isn't it? Like if you're doing well, you don't need to take hits. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely
0: true. Um, okay, next up, we're gonna we're gonna have a look at our. This is kind of a good time of the season to scout for the, th- the following season. So we're gonna look ahead uh, to 2019-20. Um, what have we learned from the end of this season, what players are going to be the first players in our team sheets at the moment, because um, it's easy to forget when you come to it in August easy to forget how things were going at the end of the last season, who was in form. You can't really look at the statistics that closely, but while we have them still. Um, so, Matt, actually, I'm going to come um, to you first.
3: Before we do, Duncan, actually, I have a request. I'm, We've been going for uh, almost an hour and a half now, and I'm not sure I can stay on for long enough to do my section after this. So could we okay. do the um, the, predi- the prediction review from last season first and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah go for it. Okay, so um, for, for for the listeners, um, I have uh, I've gone back to our pre-season podcast um, from uh, from which happened actually during the World Cup in the summer. Um, so there were a few sort of unknowns there. It was interesting because at the time Chelsea didn't have a manager, for example. So obviously the uh, the the landscape changed a little bit after that. Um, but I've uh, I've gone back and seen what we predicted was going to happen, and uh, I've got a few predictions here that um, the uh, the other podders are going to try and guess as I give the quote who was it that said the quote? So, you guys ready?
0: Yeah. Let's see how we did.
3: All right. So, um, who was it, do you think, that said, I'm concerned about Tottenham, and it really pains me to say that?
0: Probably me, I'm guessing, as an Arsenal fan.
3: Yep, that was Duncan. Very concerned about Tottenham, rightly so. They did terribly this season, didn't they? Um, No, they did pretty well. (laughs) <laughs> um who was it that said um they scraped through and their manager is neil warnock that sounds like a recipe for disaster oh that person is smart
1: <laughs> i feel like was that matt uh it wasn't matt <laughs> no it didn't sound like something i'd say sensible
3: that yeah. was me was that I, you Andy? I I, uh, I I said that but it could have been any of us that was uh um, no, nobody, nobody disagreed with me. For the record, <laughs> <laughs> um, who was it that said? I think Pogba will be very reliable for Man U this season.
0: I think it's gonna be, yeah, one of the that Man like U fans.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was Matt.
0: <laughs> Are you one of the few
1: this season? though? reliable, questionable,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, streaky, <laughs> streaky. <laughs>
3: Streaky, yeah. It wasn't <laughs> right. I'll give you that. All right. Um, here's a a, 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 a very uh, prescient and good prediction. Who, against the, the advice of everyone else on the pod, said, stay away from Arsenal players because there will be lots of rotation? Oh. Oof.
2: Did you know that, Duncan, at the time?
0: Uh, I'd like to think I did, but I'm not sure I, I did. Who was it, Andy? That was Duncan. Oh, hey. the, the one superpower I have in FPL is knowing how shit Arsenal are. <laughs> As a fan.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, there was also, I've, I've noted here that Matt also mockingly, in response to Duncan saying Arsenal are a decent team, Matt, the man you fan, said, mockingly, do you think so? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: you're a belief. You're a belief final. I'll take
3: that. Um, Who was it that said, uh, I got badly burnt by Robertson last season as he was relegated to third choice left back. I don't think Klopp really trusts him.
0: (laughs) I I don't think that was me. I, I don't think that was me. I think that was probably Matt. I think, yeah, I went Van Dyke start of the
1: season rather than Robertson, so that sounded like. I might no, that was me. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was the one who predicted that Robertson would <laughs> right. be first team.
3: Well done, Andy. <laughs> All right. Um, last one. Who said, um, I don't see much of a difference between Southampton and, say, Watford and Wolves?
1: Ew ben
3: Mm, maybe
0: i don't remember
3: (laughs) (laughs) no that was that was matt as well ben actually throughout the throughout the entire podcast i couldn't find a single prediction that ben made so (laughs) i have nothing in (laughs) there from ben (laughs) i'm playing the long game (laughs) just come back to bite
0: me (laughs) talk
3: about dallard (laughs) not a single prediction (laughs) there were also a lot of Brilliant predictions from Matt, such as "I reckon Huddersfield might struggle this season," and C- correct. And Matt saying, <laughs> "I might be a bit contrarian here, but I'm not that worried about Spurs." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> liking it.
3: But before we hold uh, oh,
0: oh, did Spurs do better than Man United?
3: Yes, they did. Pretty much everyone who might have been expected to, uh, to well, all of the top six. <laughs> Man, you're obviously by Mars the worst. Um, so yeah, there was there was a lot more in here, but that was uh, that was my the ones that I picked out that you might have trouble guessing. Before I sign off, I do want to set the. Uh, we've talked a lot about Jenk Tosin and Umani Ask this season, and I uh, I have here exactly what was said about both of them by both me and Matt. So uh, are you ready for it?
0: I mean, you're not an unbiased adjudicator, but go
3: ahead. These are, this, these are the actual words <laughs> that were said. So, Matt, and they're, unfortunately, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a letdown because neither of us were quite as, <laughs> quite as bullish about it as we have been throughout the season subsequently. <laughs> um, so Matt said, Tossen seems to be a good all-round striker and referred to him as the whirlwind from the East. He scored a game week thirty-eight. Yeah, he did. Uh, Best
1: Turkish player Um, in the league. I
3: said that Tosin would be a flop, and that would be a problem for the team. He has no standout attributes other than being very slow. Um, The uh, Matt also mocked me for uh, using my eyes rather than looking at his stats. on Omar Nias, I said uh, last season I did really well by picking Nias and uh, he would either score from the bench or not play at all. And therefore, my first sub would play instead. So that might work as well this season with Silver as manager. Uh, actually, I have one last one for you, which is somebody then said... Um,
1: can we can we sort of uh, c- cover over with the actual stats for Nias? And well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can uh, I just uh, finish the Nias I'm, section no. first? I'm,
0: I'm loving how this has gone all legal. <laughs> 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 so no, wait, no. On, man.
3: There was there was somebody who then said, <laughs> "Yes, I can see a world where um, after Nias couldn't didn't even have a locker room, locker in the room uh, at the start of last season. He comes back and is the main man this season. Who do we think
0: said that?" I think that was me. That was yeah. Duncan.
3: That was indeed Duncan. for all your mockery this year, Duncan. It
0: seems like you were kind of on
3: board the Nias train at the start of the season.
0: Anyway, it's, this feels like a, an episode of Line of Duty. You're bringing out the evidence uh, that we didn't expect. I've enjoyed that. Um, yeah. I think we should have to back, back a, an unbackable uh, striker next season each and, and see how it goes. Yeah, maybe a, quite...
3: a, a sub-5 million striker. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that would be
1: good. <laughs> I guess having having nodded towards the whirlwind <laughs> from the east at the start, I probably doubled down rather too much this
0: season on the well, they, they are now both mascots of the pod, Umar Nias and Chank Tosin.
3: Indeed. Um, who, who knows where Nias will end up next season, which relegation-threatened, well, actually, which relegated side he will go to.
0: Uh, who can run around and not score any goals? Well, thank you very much, Andy. That was brilliant. And... um. We will we'll speak to you for the preview pod for next season.
3: I'll look forward to it. Thanks, everybody. And congratulations through gritted teeth, Matt.
0: OK, to finish off, we're just going to take a quick look forward to um, next season. While it's fresh in our heads, who are the first names on our team sheets? Um, no kind of budgetary restrictions, just, just a bit of scouting. Um, so, Matt, I'm going to come to you first. Who's your goalkeeper who's first on your team sheet this season, uh, next season? Um, so it's, it's hardly Maverick, but I'm going to
1: go for um, Edison. Um, I think I've realised from this season and, and the previous one to that where De Gea scored big that uh, spending some budget on a really decent goalkeeper can pay off, um, and I think he's had a, a brilliant end to the season, I can see him continuing that trend uh, ne- next season too.
0: And I guess you're hoping that he'll be cheaper than uh, some of the top Man City defenders in terms of cost as well. Yeah, that's it.
1: And it just, um, if you've got a premium goalkeeper, uh, they can just tick over on points every single week um, and just they just boost the score over the long term. I had Edison for a stint uh, this season and it, it really paid off. Um, I was really pleased with it.
0: Yeah, I think I started the season with Edison and I'm gutted that I got rid of him because I think that that was a bit of an error. And it's with the rotation for City, he's just guaranteed to play every So why would you not do it? I think that's a really good shout. Um, ben, have you gone Ferguson as well, or do you have someone different? No,
2: I I'm a diehard believer in the two four point five goalkeepers um, in FPL. I've always played that way, so I've done a bit of scouting, and I'm gonna. I think I will go with Dean Henderson of Sheffield United. Um, he's on loan from Man U, but I think he'll probably finish. He'll probably sign for them. Um, Sheffield United finished second in the Championship. Uh, they have the best defensive record in the championship um and i looked at one of those fpl someone tweeted out and um, the, the best fpl players from the championship and they calculated the points and he he was in the he was in kind of like their all star team um so i'll tweet that out as well um but yeah i think i'll i'll go with dean henderson
0: yeah i do i do love it when people um calculate the fpl points for championship players um yeah I think that they did that last season. I found that quite useful, yeah well was in by Jota, hey well, it came he, good towards the end of the season. It took a long time to settle yeah. <laughs> he, he did, but if we hadn't known how how good he was in the championship, we might have not got him in for the second half, so no I, I'm fully behind that and great scouting um i i've gone I've gone for Edison as well, but as a backup option in case someone else did I went for Pickford um I quite enjoy seeing what teams are on good form towards the end of the season um for whom I'm going to pick early season of the next and uh Everton defence has been on a great run of form um towards the end of the season and Pickford especially has been picking up the points um if he sticks at five million which I think he probably will um then it's it's not maybe not a bad point maybe maybe uh silver's got the team together he's got a settled side um they've got a settled system and they seem to be grinding things out so maybe he's not a a bad shout if you don't want to go and spend the six million i'm sure that edison's going to cost you can cheap out but have that slightly bigger team security hopefully with pickford um so maybe that's a potential one to consider um okay defenders matt can you pick two defenders who are going to be first on your team sheet yeah, so with first on the team sheet in mind, I'm going for what I consider to be the,
1: the new fantasy royalty. Um, so uh, I think Robertson is like the, the new uh, Alonso in, of yesteryear. So every single game he plays uh, it's up and down that Liverpool wing. And so I think he'll come in really expensive next season. But I think I'm going to pick him anyway because he's got clean sheets and assist potential every single week uh, with more consistency of starts than Trent Alexander-Arnold. So, Robertson's my first one. And the next one is my one of my new favourite uh, fantasy assets, uh, Lucas, Lucas Digne, uh, who I, I like because I managed to pick him quite early uh, this season. But also, I think he's just turned into one of those uh, very reliable point getters. Uh, sort of the, the full that takes free kicks and crosses and also is increasingly in a good defence in Everton. So, uh, again, I expect him to be quite expensive next season. But, again, I think I, he might be worth it.
0: Yeah, I mean, solid picks. Um, slightly obvious may maybe said, but um, they're first names on the team sheet, so why not? And, and you did get on Dinia early, so I think you've earned it as well. Um, yeah, I like that one. Ben, how about you?
2: Uh, very similar. So uh, the two I had picked was Lucas Dinia as well for, for the same reasons Matt outlined and and what you said, Duncan, about Everton really showing form towards the end of the season. Um I think they'll be a really really good side next season um given how they've they've kind of managed how to figure out how to play and I assume they'll strengthen over the summer as well so Gini is one of mine and uh, my other is the other defending royalty at Liverpool uh Trent Alexander-Arnold I think you've seen in the last couple of game weeks his just explosiveness in terms of um attacking returns I think he's outscored Robertson these last five game weeks with all his assist potential um, so even though he, I think he does have a little bit more rotation risk, I think he's definitely going to be um, one I'm looking at next season.
0: Yeah, I think, I think looking at the the points this season, Robertson, I think has got a high number of points. Is that correct? Um, so I think he's he's likely to come in at seven million, like Alonso used to be. I'm hoping that Trent might be six five, um, just. 0.5 less, but with the potential for getting more points with those set pieces, um, and if he does, then he'll definitely be first in mind sheet. So you guys have taken probably my top two, uh, Dina and Alexander Arnold, between the two of you. Um, so I've got some backups. I think um, I think Doherty should get a shout. Um, hopefully his price won't rise too much. I know he started at four five. So it's nice that it was quite no low initially, um, so they they don't have to put it up um, too far. Maybe he'll come at 5-5. Five, five. Uh, I don't think that's a bad price for him. Um, I'd be interested, and I think Wolves could build on this season rather than have a the, the standard tricky second season. So if they add to their squad, because I think that's been their issue this season, um, they've been lucky with injuries, but it could have gone wrong if they'd had a few. So they could add to their squad, and I think... Doxy at 5-5 five, five would be a great one. He's popped up with some crucial goals for me since I brought him in quite late. Um, and yeah, I just love his attacking potential. Um, and I think probably second up is is probably, I'm going to say Laporte. Um, obviously, I said he was my my favourite transfer of the season, my best transfer. And I think, um, yeah, Pep loves him. Um, and if he comes in at 6-5, then maybe that's that's fair enough. Mm-hmm if he comes at six, then without a doubt, first name for me. What about midfielders? Matt, can you pick two? Yes. So um, again, I've gone for, uh, well, I think it's
1: become borderline fantasy royalty this season. Uh, it's Son Heung-min for, for Tottenham. Um, he started the season not being like the, the, the rotation risk Spurs asset that was slightly cheaper than Ali and Ericsson. But I think this season he's he's proved himself to be like a player that's just getting better and better, and so I think uh, my long term prediction for Son is that he's going to become one of the best players in the league and uh, is going to score more and more um, because they they Tottenham I think look better without Kane sometimes with Son as their their main man. So I'm going to ch- try and get Son in I think regardless of what he what he uh, costs next season, um, and then uh, the bit more of another up and coming one I think is Madison uh, for Leicester this year. So seven goals and seven assists. Uh, he was much hyped at the start of the season uh, because he'd done so well in the championship. Um, and I think he's had a sort of a season of slight adjustment where he's not quite fired in full, or full cylinders. But I think with one season to the belt, he does take a lot of free kicks and uh, crosses. He's very creative. He looks very skillful. I think he's just going to develop into a pretty solid premiership stalwart.
0: I think it's a big thing with him, with uh, Rogers now at the helm and how attacking they look and uh, they're kind of back to their best as well, aren't they? And he's going to be central to that, surely. So yeah, I think that's a great shout. And yeah, Son, he was going to be one of mine. I think that's a brilliant shout because of the price, because he started at 8.5 this season. And I think the highest he can possibly go reasonably is going to be 10 million, which is, I st- I think that's still a fair, fair price for him. So yeah great shout he's above Ericsson and ali now and yeah i, I agree with your long term pre- prediction for him as well ben do you have any different ones to map
2: yeah i've i'm going full var for next season so i've chosen two midfielders who take penalties in teams <laughs> in teams that i think will get a lot of penalties so um one is Milovic um from crystal palace because uh they have I don't know if Zaha will stay. If he doesn't stay, maybe I'll change this. But Palace get a lot of penalties. Um, And I think it'll it'll potentially be more with VAR. So I've got Millie in. And then my other one is Paul Pogba. Um, I'm hoping Manu do some rebuilding this summer. Um, Hopefully Pogba will will still be there. And if he's still there and on penalties, then um, I think at his price, I'm not sure where he'll come in at, but um, should be able to get a lot of penalties as well.
0: I think that's a good shout. and um, I think that's that's something I've considered as well, is that VAR is coming going to come in and that penalties are going to be scrutinised a bit more. But um, someone in the FPL community, I'm really sorry, I can't remember who it was, uh, did some research on this on Twitter and, and caused a bit of a storm uh, a few game weeks ago by posting this, that I think in the German league and the other leagues in Europe where it's been uh, VAR, are, has already been there for a couple of seasons the stats show that it doesn't actually increase the number of penalties because a huge number of penalties are, are ruled out um, correctly because maybe a player's dived or maybe the referees just got, might have got it wrong um, so it, it rules out as many as it gives according to the stats across Europe so whilst that is true my feeling is that early on Players are going to be giving away more penalties for holding in the box, so I think that'll even out across the season. But maybe early on, those midfielders who take penalties, or or strikers, or defenders who take penalties are, are worth. Consuming. Yeah. So I think, yeah, early on, I think these are good, good names. It also, de- and I it totally also
2: depends how the Premier League, I think, refs decide to call handballs and stuff. Like, are they going to be strict about it or not? Um, yeah. Because handballs, handballs, one of those that are normally really soft for penalties, but I mean, we've seen this season with VAR, like a lot of handball penalties have been given in in other leagues. So it'd be interesting to see how they call it.
0: Yeah. Especially that PSG example yeah. with the Manu penalty. If it's more like that, you might see players kind of aiming for the hands. Um, yeah. So I think it's worth gambling at the start of the season, isn't it? It's gambling that those penalties are going to come in. If they're not, you're still going to have a fairly decent player in Pogba. So why not? Um, okay, yeah, those are all good ones. So I think I had I had Son, I had Milivojevic, I had Madison, and um, so I'm I'm left with two uh, to recommend, uh, and they're Yotta, they're um, because because he's now found his form in the Premier League, he's adapted, and I think he's he's only going to be stronger next season. He's a young player um, who's only going to get better, and he's a goal scorer and he's playing out of position. If he stays as a midfielder which i hope he will and i assume he will then his price probably won't go, be that prohibitive maybe 775 $7, at a maximum and i still think that's a good price um so yeah gotto i think is going to be a good pick um and then last up who can forget ryan fraser yeah um he's been outstandingly consistent this season he's been a i think a bit of a flat track bully um but that's nothing wrong. That's easier. It's better when you can predict a player's points. um, If they're playing against, you know, crapper teams home or away Um, set pieces, you know, combining with Callum Wilson, I think that partnership is pretty crucial. If they keep that together, Bournemouth next season, um, then that's, that's a good indicator, but is again, it's price. He's a good enabler. He's probably only going to go up to uh, seven, 7.5 at a maximum. I think he started at five, five, so he can't jump too far. Um, so, yeah, I think all of those are good predictions uh, for next season. And, and they, they all sound like they're enablers. And Son doesn't sound like he's going to be super premium. So uh, we hope not anyway. So, yeah, nice ones. OK, how about one striker? Matt, who is the one striker that you're going to have uh, next season in the game week one? Um,
1: so, I mean, again, I'll have to see how how it all goes for, for Manu U um, over the, the coming months because we have had quite the collapse. And so I think the semi-transfer business is going to be absolutely key to weighing up whether to go for any Manu assets. But um I think their best player and their best prospect at the moment is Marcus Rashford. And so I, I expect him to get better and better with each each coming year. Um and maybe the team team start to be built around him. So he's had a, a fairly decent fantasy outing this this year, if, if, if a little patchy. Um, I expect him to be uh, more consistent and more key to Manu's fortunes next next season. Um if Ollie sort of, uh, sort of can develop him, being, a, being the former striker that he was himself, and he can probably impart quite a lot of knowledge. Uh, and so hopefully as a Man U fan, I think he's sort of our one hope that we hope that we uh, our chance of getting better would be Rashford really kicking on.
0: I, I don't know. I think you might be going a little bit, uh, being led by your head, your heart there slightly. He's below Glenn Murray this season, Mitrovic, uh, Chris Wood, Josh King, Perez, Zaha Rondon, um, but then I I would you know, also consider
1: his season. He started halfway through when Mourinho was was fired. Um, so I think there's there's Rashford pre pre Mourinho where he was sort of just farmed out on the wing and and just told to run up and down and defend. Uh, and then the the ollie when when it, when Oli first came in, I think he scored like five five on the trot. Um And yeah, it's sort of it's definitely smoothed out over the last few uh, few game weeks, but. If he can carry anywhere near that form, uh, then Manu will win matches and he was absolutely key to it. We sort of built our team around him a little bit. And I could I could see that as a way that Manu can continue to to sort of win games. Um but you're right, like if it doesn't work, then uh Manu in for a very torrid season next year next year.
0: I think I think yeah, I think that's an interesting one because I can't see his price moving too far. Um And if it doesn't, because I don't think they'll have a good justification for moving it. He started at seven million. Uh, He's ended around uh, 7.3. So even if it goes to seven five, he's still a very cheap striker um, in a big team. And yeah, I think that's a good price for that, that, that gamble, which you can change if it doesn't work out. So I think that's a good call. I was sceptical, but you've convinced me. Um, Matt, uh, sorry, not Matt, Ben. Who's your striker that you pick?
2: Mine is Harold Kane. <laughs> so, um, Sir, Harold Sir Harold Kane. Kane. How very um, maverick of you, Ben! Very maverick. Um, I'm very interested in his price next season. Um, he's been he he ha- obviously hasn't had a good season with injury. He we're normally accustomed to h- to him being at the top of the F- FPL charts, but he's comfortably been outscored by several several strikers. So. He's below Obama, Yang, Aguero, Jimenez, Vardy, Wilson, Lacazette, and Firmino this season. Um, and it's a little bit of the VAR stuff too. Uh, you know, obviously a really good penalty taker for Spurs. So, yeah, just kind of interested to see what they price him at. And even if he's still expensive next season, assuming he he gets back to fitness, um, I think, I, think I, I will go with, with Kane.
0: Yeah. Nice one, solid. Like my only concern is injuries with Kane. They seem to be slowly kind of building up on him. And he, he likes to play every game for the club and country. And i just concerned if the body can take it um, or whether it's giving in slightly. But yeah, I mean, he's been a solid pick before and I'm sure he will be again. Um, and he'll be fired up to get that golden boot again. Uh, for my for my one, I've, I've just been looking at the um, golden boot uh standings and surprised to see Abamoyang at the top of it and in a pretty unfancied Arsenal team where he hasn't even been first team at some points he hasn't even started some games there's been a bit of rotation here and there so that's i mean that sounds like there's even more potential for for the goals for him and i've noticed towards the end of this season that the Lacazette and Bamiyang partnership is kind of got better and better the more they've played together and the more they've started together towards the end of the season. And that, to me, is looking like a really good point of Arsenal's season. It, I think there's shades of kind of um, Cole and York there, the way that they get on on the pitch and celebrate together and stuff like that, the connection they have. So, Aubameyang would be a big shout for me, but... Um, it's incredible. He's, I think he's,
1: it's he's top scorer in the whole um, out-of-all strikers and fantasy this year. It's amazing. He's been such a a sleeper player because he's not been a big pick uh, at any point, really.
0: Yeah. Selected by under 20 percent still at the moment, which is crazy. So, yeah, Uh, hopefully. Well, I can imagine his price will be affected. And that's the issue there, because although not many people have picked him this season um, and his price is actually less than when he started, I think. I think he came in at 11 he's dropped down to 10.8 now which is pretty crazy for the top scoring striker um but if he sticks at 11 a good pick um yeah i just i just you know we've done a lot of picking over the bones of our seasons now and i think picking teams in bad periods doesn't seem to be a great idea and i just don't think arsenal are yet a team in a in a good period in a good setup so i i think i'd still maybe shy away from him, but it's a player that you jump on for those good fixtures, isn't it? Based on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Aubameyang is, is my shout. Deceptively um, good. And I think deceptively good, a sleeper player. I like that. Um And I think that's, that's probably where we leave it um for this season. Um If you don't follow us on, on Twitter, give us a follow at FPL, FF fanatics. Um, I think, Ben was saying he's going to tweet those stats from the championship, the FPL stats from the championship. Um, so you can mark them down for next season. That's a good one. I'm going to have a look at that one. Um, and apart from that, thank you very much all for listening to us this season. This has been our first proper season. It's been a, a great load of fun. I've I've enjoyed chatting uh, chatting to you guys on the pod every week. It's been fantastic. And it's been nice to hear from listeners on Twitter as well. Really enjoyable. So thank you both. and Say farewell, Matt, for the last time this season.
1: Farewell, and thank you all for your, your heartfelt thanks for me winning the uh, and gratitude for me winning the, uh, the the mini league. Yeah,
2: no, I didn't didn't say that. <laughs> farewell, Ben. Uh, yeah, my my closing thoughts are: I think we're going to miss Eden Hazard next season. I I hope I assume he's going to go to Real Madrid, and I want to thank him for trolling me all these seasons, where you can never predict when he's going to score points and i want to congratulate matt because finishing top 10k um i don't feel bad losing to someone who finished in the top 10k
0: yeah i think that's definitely true um it's good for the podcast and it's it's been a really fun competition it, yeah so bring it on next season yeah
1: it's been really fun and really close it's been uh it's been really exciting
0: nice one all the best guys all Right. Thank you